All right, so after everyone started to worry about the Rangers and their chances at the postseason, uh, things aren't set in stone yet, but now with nine games left to play, they're in a much better position than they were a week ago after their recent run here to uh, get their winning streak up to four games. Uh, you know, taking care of business in Columbus, which was a big deal. The comeback against the Coyotes at MSG on Henrik Lundqvist's night, an even bigger deal to, to get over that 2 nothing lead. And now the biggest test of all, Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden against the Philadelphia Flyers, who the Rangers have one point lead over right now, but uh, the Flyers do have the two games in hand. And here to join me today about uh, to talk about Rangers-Flyers with the Flyers coming to New York is uh, the Flyers beat writer of the Philadelphia Inquirer, Sam Carcitti. Sam, how's it going today? Good, Neil. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for giving the time tonight. And, you know, when I first looked at this schedule uh, coming out of the Olympic break, uh, trying to break down who had the hardest schedule among the Rangers, the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, even the Leafs, uh, the Red Wings for the wild card spots there, um, I sort of laughed when I looked at the Flyers and just counted them out with that home and home against Pittsburgh, playing the Blackhawks, playing the Blues, even Dallas. Uh, they, they still have Boston. They've got the Rangers. Um, things get a little easier at the end there with Buffalo uh, and Florida to mix in. But uh, this gauntlet, it just seemed like they wouldn't be able to overcome in it, and it would be the difference in keeping them out of the playoffs. And really now it's going to be the difference in them most likely going to the playoffs. Yeah, they, as you know, they won five straight and they beat teams with a combined 660 winning percentage. So, uh, you know, it was quite a run. They, they're coming off a 3-2 loss to the Kings. They did not play too well in the first two periods, but, uh, you know, they were on a tremendous run and, and they're trying to regroup after the loss of the Kings and, and beat the Rangers to the Flyers. This is, you know, a very key game because their schedule is a lot tougher still uh, you know, moving forward, then the Rangers. The Rangers have a pretty easy schedule. They can only play two teams after the Flyers that uh, you know are in playoff spots right now. Uh, after the game on Wednesday, so you know if the Flyers want to hold on to second place and and uh, you know get the home ice in the first round, uh, this is a key game for them. No question. And going back to earlier in the season when the Flyers got off to that, that treacherous start and it seemed like their season was over before it really even started, um, they make the coaching change there. And, you know, that took everyone by surprise. I mean, I guess outside of Philadelphia, maybe it was different, uh, the perspective inside the Flyers and different from a perspective of someone who covers the team day in and day out. But do you think going back to early in the season that it was the right move to, to get Laviolette out and get Berube in that early in the season? Well, Quite frankly, I, I don't think the timing of it was correct. You know, uh, the move they made was probably correct, but the timing of it really made you scratch your head. I mean, three games into a season, if you're going to make a move that quick, and I've said this before, you might as well make it in the off season. That way you give the new coach a chance to have his own training camp, to develop his own system. As it was, you know, Baruby was working his system on the fly. It took them a couple weeks or more. Uh, you know, to grasp what he was doing. It's more of a defensive system than Peter Lavalette's system. And, and uh, you know, as I said, I, I just thought the timing of it was very questionable. That said, Ruby's done a tremendous job. I think, uh, you know, if, if you look at the Coach of the Year candidates, I think Patrick Rois from uh, Colorado has to be the favorite. John Cooper from Tampa Bay is probably number two. But, uh, you know, I, I would say that uh, Craig Ruby is, is next in line. So, you know, he's thrown himself in the coach of the year mix and you know, after that one and seven start, they've been one of the one of the better teams in the NHL and, and they've been very consistent and uh, I think Baru is a big reason for it. 
You bring up the timing, and obviously that that's puzzling because it was just three games into the season. But I think the other thing is that how respected, well respected Lavietta is around the league. Uh, what he's done with the Team USA program and USA Hockey, um, it just seemed like he's not the type of guy that gets that gets the axe that early in the season, let alone at all. So I think maybe that was the most surprising thing. I mean, for people that cover the team, were you shocked that they let a guy of his stature go just like that? Not really, because they had some problems last year, and 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 uh, you know it was not the best locker room, and and you know it, it seems you know right or wrong, it seems like a coach has about a four year shelf life in the NHL, and he's, and his uh, theories kind of uh, you know uh, aren't accepted as much, and and he kind of starts to lose the locker room, and uh, you know I think that was the case here. So Ruby's a, a no nonsense guy; he's a straight shooter. The players know exactly where they stand, and I, I think he's just what they need. They need it, and uh, you know, I, I thought Lavalette's style, uh, his wide open attacking style, really didn't fit the personnel that he had. And maybe that's not his fault. Maybe that's the general manager's fault. But uh, I, I think Barubi's defensive style fits this team a, a lot better. Uh, you know, you take away their first, they, they they're a, a kind of team, I guess, that has solid production on all four lines. They they have. Maybe one superstar, if you want to call Claude Giroux a superstar, but uh, you know they're a blue-collar team, and, and they and they lacked uh, the commitment to defense under Lavalette. I think they regained that under uh, Craig Berube. You see that you'll see the forwards backchecking more than they were under Lavalette, and and uh, I think the team as a whole, you know, takes more pride in their defense than they did with Peter Lavalette. When you look at Claude Giroux and him getting the Olympic snub the way Marty St. Louis did before St. Louis eventually got put on the team, uh, you know he went through that struggle uh, early in the season, the goal scoring, uh, you know, snake bitten streak. There, um, he's been a much different player of late, and that's part of the reason, or, or the majority of the reason, of the Flyers' success. And uh, and like St. Louis, you know, he's sort of going through at the opposite time as now, as Rangers fans have noticed, St. Louis is going through his own slump since coming here. He's still without a goal and just three assists. Um, you know, when, when you look at Giroux, do you think? You know his his surge over over March here with 17 points in the month is is a direct reaction to him being left off the team Canada or, or was just just bound to happen because he was so bad for so long at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess there's added motivation, and you know he's admitted that there's added there was added motivation when he was snubbed. But I, to, to be honest with you, I, I don't think he was healthy the first part of the year. He had uh, finger surgery, he had a, a kind of a bizarre golfing accident where the golf club shattered and. And he needed finger surgery, and that happened just before the season. So, you know, he was not 100%. Anybody who uh, watched him in the first month of the year knew that wasn't Claude Giroux. And as you mentioned, he, he failed to score the first 15 games. But a lot of that was because you know, he was having problems with the stick, problems uh, controlling the puck. And, and uh, But, you know, he's, he's totally healthy now. And, and since December 11th, he's been the leading scorer in the NHL. He's got, I think, a, a point or two more than Sidney Crosby. So, you know, he's been on a roll. But if he... Um, I really don't. Uh, I don't think you can really blame him for trying to battle through the injury. But that that, that to me was the, the biggest reason for his downfall. And, and he's been the leader. You're right. They they put him on. Uh, they've uh, he's put the Flyers, I should say, on his back and and really carried them. And uh, they're getting production, as I mentioned earlier, from all four lines. But there's no question that Giroux and his line have really carried this team. 
And I mentioned St. Louis, and from an outsider's perspective, uh, you know, this will be the first time the Flyers have seen him as, as a part of the Rangers. Um, you know, he struggled to score, but he's he's helped uh, create depth on the lines, given uh, better options, the secondary scoring options for the Rangers, helped some guys improve their own games, even if his game hasn't improved along the way. But what is your view of this team from the outside now that they're without Callahan, but with St. Louis, do you view the Rangers differently than you have in the past? Well, to be honest, I thought, you know, I, I thought that uh, Callahan, uh, was a I know he was a flyer killer and, and you know a, a true leader. I, I was shocked at the Rangers. You know I know there's contract uh, breakdowns, but and that played a big part in it. But I, I, I thought that the, the Rangers obviously got older, and and uh, I thought Tampa Bay got the best trade. And and uh, you know I'm a big Callahan fan. I, I just like the way he plays the game, and and that's not to say San Luis is. You know I don't like the way San Luis plays because how can they not like the way Marty San Luis plays the game? But uh, you know, all in all, I thought, I thought the Rangers took a step back. I, I was surprised they gave up what they did, you know, with the draft picks. And it just uh, was very puzzling. I, I thought uh, Tampa Bay actually made out better in the trade. And, you know, when you bring that up, I, I know we, at least I did a lot of coverage on it, uh, just the negotiations and, and what was at stake with the Rangers. It seemed like Callahan had the sort of perfect storm in his favor that he is the captain, uh, the second face of the franchise after Lundquist. Um, you know, he, he's moving closer to 30 years old. Uh, it, it just seemed like everything was working in his favor in this win-now window that the Rangers are in because their stars and their elite players are, are aging veterans. But, you know, to me, the, the asking price was a little bit much, and I think at this point, you know the Rangers came as close as they could, offering that six years, thirty-six million, or or, or somewhere near there was reported. But do you think he's even going to command that now on the open market once the season's over? Uh, I guess it depends on how he finishes, and, and uh, you know, I, I, to me, Callahan is is you know one of the top top guys in the league for being you know if you if you add in his leadership qualities and and just the way he played, he played the game the right way. Um, you know, it only takes one, as they say. It only takes one team. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me if if somebody out there did give him, the, you know, what he wanted. But uh, um, I, I just thought, as I said before, I just thought the Rangers uh, gave up a little too much. And uh, it'll be interesting more to see San Luis against Vinny Lecavier. They, you know, they were years ago. They were line mates for a while, and and then, uh, of course they were teammates for forever for 14 years in Tampa Bay and. And Vinny today said it's going to be really weird to see him in a, in a Rangers jersey. So, um, you know, between uh, San Luis and and, uh, and Richards and, and LaCavia, you're going to have a Tampa Bay reunion tomorrow night. But, it, it uh, you know, it'll, it'll make an interesting side story, no question about it. It seems like every time at uh, this time of the year in March, it, it seems to be when the Rangers start the playoffs because they always get to the point where they have to win in the final weeks of the season. They never can just wrap something up and make it easy. And uh, it's certainly the case once again here where now they need to probably finish, I would say, at least four and five over their last nine games, get to that 92-point mark to, to guarantee a postseason berth. And they certainly want to stay out of the wild card spot and don't want to face the Bruins or the Penguins. Um, you know, with the Flyers now, it, it, it's, it's sort of the same ordeal. And, and going back a few years when the season came down to that uh, that shootout loss for the Rangers when Ole Jokinen got stopped and uh, you know, when you look ahead here to Madison Square Garden on Wednesday night, this seems to be one of the biggest regular season games that these two teams have played against each other since probably that shootout loss a few years ago. Yeah, it's a good point and uh, you know the Flyers, just like the Rangers in the same boat, you know, they would they would uh, prefer not to play the Penguins or Bruins but you know, they're not locked in yet, you know they, uh, just like the Rangers, you know uh, it's funny, the Flyers won five in a row, and you know, the Rangers have a four-game winning streak, but 
you know, it's so close. There's so much parity. If you lose three or four in a row, you, know, you go from maybe having the home ice in the first round to being, you know, on the fringe of, of maybe not even being in the playoffs. So, you know, at every point is critical. And the Flyers have a, another obstacle tomorrow because uh, the Rangers have just dominated them at Madison Square Garden. Flyers haven't won there. Uh, in about three years, and they're 0-7 in the last seven games. Yeah, they've been outscored, uh, I think it's like 28-8 to during those uh, seven losses. So, um, you know, they, they have had some success against the Rangers this year. They're 2-1 against them, both wins in Philadelphia. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of a mindset. And, and uh, you know, Claude Giroux talked about it today. Wayne Simmons talked about it. And, uh, you know, they, they really have to play a much better game than they did the first time Madison Square Garden. It's almost like Madison Square has gotten into their heads. That's why I think the first period tomorrow is going to be so crucial. The last time the teams met at the Garden, the, the Rangers had a 3 nothing lead. The game was less than 10 minutes old. The Flyers were never in the game. So uh, I think you're going to see a different game tomorrow. But, uh, you know, the Flyers have a tough road because uh, the Rangers definitely have their number in New York. You talk about not wanting to get that wild card spot face the Bruins or the Penguins. I think that's certainly the case for the Rangers because they struggle mightily against both of those teams, uh, Boston even more so. But for the Flyers, it almost seems like you know it wouldn't be that bad if they played the Penguins because they seem to have their number uh, not only this year but in the postseason past. Yeah, they're uh, they are not intimidated by the Penguins. They match up well against the Penguins for whatever reason. The Penguins try to open it up against the Flyers, and and they seem it seems to backfire and they give up like a three on two or two on one, the Flyers cash in and uh, the Flyers, you know, just like the Rangers uh, appear to be in the Flyers heads at Madison Square Garden. I think the Flyers are in the Penguins heads and, and uh, Mark Andre Fleury has had a really good year, but uh, when he faces the Flyers, he's, he's a different goalie. I think the Flyers are in his head a little bit. So uh, that would not be, um, you know, an insurmountable task for the Flyers to face the Penguins. That said, they do not want to play the Bruins in the first <laughs> round. I don't think anybody wants to play the Bruins right now. They're, you know, they're clicking, and, and you know, they really hammered the Flyers uh, in Philadelphia the last time they met. The Flyers, uh, you know, still play them down the stretch a couple times, so that'll be interesting. But uh, um, you know, I think that's a matchup that the Flyers and Rangers both do not want. Uh, Boston's really, uh, really clicking. Well, not to get completely off topic here as we talk Rangers-Flyers, but you know, I've had this conversation with several of, of my friends who are Flyers fans over the years, or, or at least since the trades have happened, and the way the Flyers have sort of changed the culture, and it goes back to, to getting rid of Richards, getting rid of Carter, eventually Van Riemsdyk, and they've sort of, sort of you know, flipped the entire uh, core of their franchise, and now it's sort of coming to fruition as they become more successful this season um, with new leadership, with a new coach, but you know, b- before we finish this up with Rangers-Flyers, going back to when, when those moves got made to get rid of Richards, get rid of Carter, um, and then those guys go on to win the Stanley Cup uh, with the Kings. It, it just was a head scratcher, and you know, coming from someone who who was there and, and someone who, who covers the team uh, in depth like yourself, you know, what went into those decisions? I mean, I'm sure it's it's more you know elongated than you can explain in you know just a few seconds. But you know, what's I guess the short story summary of, of what went wrong there? Well, you know, they wanted to get younger, and uh, you know, their farm, Flyers farm system, you know, is pretty barren. So he can get draft picks like they did, which turned out to be one turned out to be Sean Couture, another turned out to be Nick Cousins, who uh, is in the AHL now, and you know they got guys like Warchuk, a young player on the rise, uh, Wayne Simmons, a young player on the rise, uh, Brian Shen. They thought they got better value, and uh, they thought that Carter and, and Richards were maybe you know heading downwards, and and 
the guys they got were trending upwards. And there, there was some off-ice stuff, too, that, um, you know, they weren't totally happy with, and obviously that played a part in it. And, uh, um, you know, and the other thing is the Flyers got another draft pick, which they ended up trading, and, and parlayed that into Nick Grossman, who's, uh, you know, on their second pairing on defense. So, um, you know, all in all, I think it was a trade that helped both teams. The Kings, of course, uh, they traded Carter to Columbus. He ended up going to Los Angeles and helped the Kings win a cup along with Mike Richards. And, and uh, so it worked out for them. They get a cup, and I think it worked out for the Flyers because they have uh, four guys that are, have really helped them and, and are the nucleus of the team. So, you know, very rarely does a trade help both teams, but, but this one I think did. Well, with realignment and, and with the new playoff format, um, thanks to Gary Bettman in the NHL, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure how this thing would pan out. Uh, a realignment, you know, I, I guess I've been a fan of it, even if the Metropolitan Division doesn't really um, compass teams in the Metropolitan area for the most part. But I think everyone's in favor of having these mini rivalries or, or creating more rivalries in the postseason, and we'll certainly get that if the Rangers and Flyers do happen to get the second and third spots in the Metropolitan, and uh, I think everyone's really rooting for it, at least from New York and Philly perspective, and I'm guessing that you're rooting for it uh, not only because it, it will be easy on your traveling, but because you know it, it will sort of reignite this rivalry that um, hasn't had something to get it going in a while. Yeah, no question about it. I think, you know, it, it's a great rivalry. It's probably the Flyers' number two rivalry. I, I don't know where it stands on the Rangers' list of rivals, but, uh, you know, there's no question the Flyers' top rival is the Penguins, but uh, after that, it, it would have to be the Rangers. And, and uh, you know, it's it would have everything if they met in the playoffs. I mean, you know, not only the proximity, but, uh, you know, New York and Philadelphia, and Vinny, as I mentioned earlier, Vinny LeCavier against uh, San Luis and Richards and, uh, um, you know, Carcilla and Ronaldo, those two guys seem to always go at each other. So it would have everything in it. It would be a tremendous series and, and uh, you know, two really good teams. You're going to have one good team out in the first round if, if they do meet. And, uh, you know, it would be tremendous hockey. And, and uh, uh, they've played some, some exciting games this year. I think we're going to see another one uh, Wednesday night at the Garden. I'm not sure, depending on what happens with the lineup and, and the injuries and the healthy scratches, but um, how weird has it been to see Carcillo playing for the Rangers now after those years with the Flyers and sort of tormenting the Rangers? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because I looked it up today. The Flyers' last win uh, against the Rangers, believe it or not, uh, Carcillo had uh, one of the goals in that game for the Flyers. So, uh, And that was the Flyers' last win at Madison Square Garden, I should say. Their last win in New York, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I guess they kind of gotten over it because they've seen him. They've seen him in L.A. They've seen him in Chicago. So you know, it's been a while now. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it's <laughs> today. Zach Ronaldo said that uh, you know I'm not taking anything from him. So so <laughs> I, I, I kind of expect uh, we'll see uh, um, some feistiness between both Garcilla and Ronaldo. They're similar similar players. So uh, you know, it just just adds to the entertainment of Wednesday's game. All right, Sam, I thank you for the time today to, to talk about this matchup. And, uh, you know, as we get closer to the playoffs, uh, hopefully these two teams do meet again because I think it will be great uh, uh, for both fan bases. And, uh, you know, good luck on those Amtrak trains if that's what you'll be taking during that playoff series. Yeah, I will. I look forward to it. Good talking to you, Neil.